Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm so excited. I'm so amped to be here with Paul Moore. Paul, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Great to be here, Tyler. Great to be here with you and I uh, love the smiling face. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that he's a, he's a happy guy here. He's got a lot of things going on and really excited about our discussion today. It was fun to just sit down with you here a couple of minutes before, before the show. And I'm really excited to introduce Elevate Nation to Paul. And uh, before we do that, I want to ask a question that I always ask you guys. Are you ready to take it to another level? Because I know I am. And I want to welcome you back to the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And this is a masterclass. This is for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And if you appreciate what we're doing on the show, we would appreciate if you gave us a subscription, you know, gave us a rating, a review, you know, certainly a five-star review is always helpful for us. And, uh, you know, with that said, let's go ahead and dive in. I want to introduce you to Paul. So after graduating with an engineering degree and then an MBA from Ohio State, Paul started on the management development track at Ford Motor Company in Detroit, Motor City. After five years, he departed, he departed to start a staffing company with a partner, and they sold it to a publicly traded firm for $2.5 million five years later. Along the way, Paul was a finalist for Ernst & Young's Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year for two years straight, and Paul later entered the real estate sector where he completed 85 real estate investments and exits, appeared on an HGTV special, which is quite a, quite a buzzword in uh, today's day and age for sure, rehabbed and managed dozens of rental properties, developed a waterfront subdivision, started two successful online retail, uh, real estate marketing firms. And then three successful developments, including assisted living with development of a Hyatt hotel and a multifamily housing project, which led him into the multifamily investment arena. Paul also co-hosts a wealth building podcast called How to Lose Money and is a frequent contributor to Bigger Pockets, producing live video and blog content on a weekly basis. Paul is the author of The Perfect Investment, Creating Enduring Wealth from the historic shift to multifamily housing in 2016, and has a forthcoming book on self-storage investing. Paul is also the managing director of two commercial real estate funds at Wellings Capital. So Paul, um, you know, it, it's always fun to dive into uh, the, the bio, you know, we all love to know, you know, where you came from and where you are today. And I know there's so much more to you as a person. So I'd love to dive into that. Tell us more about Paul Moore as a man. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a recovering shiny object chaser, Tyler. I actually, you know, I thought about for a while, I actually thought putting um, serial entrepreneur on my business card would be a cool idea. But, you know, I don't really, I'm not really proud of that anymore. I, I have a friend who actually my business partner on a number of successful deals over the years that I worked with at Ford. We got our grad, uh, graduate degree together. Uh, way back at Ohio State in the 80s. And he ran for governor of Colorado a few years ago. And he said that the most successful people he rubbed shoulders with, you know, the billionaires, 
were people who set a course in their teens or in their early 20s, and they said no to maybe 10,000 distractions along the way. And they just kept their focus on their one goal. And, you know, they endured the monotony of success, as Gary Keller talks about. And they were able to just stay on that course. And, you know, if I could have possibly known about the power of commercial real estate investing when I was in my early 20s, let's say, and stayed on that course for, you know, let's say the last 35 years uh, and hopefully the next 40 years in the future, uh, you know, I think I would be way ahead of where I am now. So that's one confession I'll, I'll make. And I, I will tell you that our wealth building podcast, How to Lose Money, you know, I talk a lot about my own stories on there. A lot of those stories have something to do with jumping into something that sounded like a good idea at the time, but that I knew nothing about. You know, I mean, in the old days, I would hear about something like on a Monday and by Thursday, I might have an S-Corp established to, you know, run headlong into it. And, you know, I just, I am the extreme opposite now. And it was good to go through those painful lessons. I made a lot of money doing that. I lost a lot of money and I sure got a lot of battle scars along the way. So now I'm, I'm pretty risk averse, really risk averse. After all that said, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who, you've got to push them to take action, right? It's like, come on, guys, you need to go, just try it. I know you're not going to know every answer until you take action. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you see that all the time. It's like, hey, I'm a serial entrepreneur. It's almost like a buzzword in yeah. today's day and age. You know, how would you, what would you suggest for the folks? I mean, obviously, you just gave us a great suggestion for the folks who are potentially, you know, uh, calling themselves a serial entrepreneur. But what would you say on the other end of the spectrum? Those who are, you know, they're too nervous about the unknowns and they're not willing to take action, the analysis paralysis folks. What would you say to them? Yeah, I would say that if that's where you're at, rather than jump into a deal, something that, you know, you feel pushed into, jump off a cliff into something scary, especially at this point in the, apparently where we are in the economic cycle, it's, it's really hard to tell where you're at except in a rear view mirror. But um, I would say partner with somebody, find somebody who doesn't have analysis paralysis or find somebody who has done a bunch of deals, hopefully since, you know, before 2008 and jump in and partner with them and uh, bring something to the table that they don't have. Maybe a, a lot more in-depth analysis with a, you know, high paced, high, fast paced entrepreneur. And uh, that might be a good way to go to get you moving down the road. So partner with somebody who can balance you on whichever yeah. end of that spectrum that you find yourself to be. Right. right. Uh -huh. I love that. So one thing, one of the things that you mentioned in your, your opening kind of comments there was the monotony of success. Like what you mentioned, Gary Keller yeah. uh, has talked about that. That really resonates with me. And I'd wonder if you could say more about that. Cause I mean, there's some times where you feel like it's like, my gosh, are we getting anywhere? You know, we're putting one foot in front of, you know, the next, but is it actually making a difference? I mean, what would you say on that? I mean, how does that resonate with you? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a lot of the people, I mean, when I look at Warren Buffett's daily routine for like 60 years, Tyler, it doesn't really sound that appealing. I mean, you know, he gets, you got, you, most people know this, you know, he drives to work in his Cadillac and he stops at McDonald's and get a, gets a sausage egg biscuit with cheese if the market's up. 
And he <laughs> goes and holds up in his office and reads five newspapers, pretty much cover to cover. And then he reads up to 500 pages of corporate documents a day. I, Tyler, I'm being real with you, man. I don't know that I could do that. I, I mean, especially not for 60 straight years. Yet, you know, Jeff Zuckerberg asked him, he said, you know, Warren, your strategy is not that complicated. Why doesn't everybody just copy you? And he said, oh, no, no, nobody wants to get rich this slowly. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the guy, you know, if you invested 10,000 with him, you know, I don't have the number right in front of me, so I shouldn't quote it. But I think it's if you invested 10,000 with him in 1965, it would be worth... Um, I think it's 180 million now, but That's I'm not amazing. sure of that number. It's, it's an enormous number, whatever it is. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of people ask me to say, well, why, why are you doing this podcast? You're giving away secrets and all these things. Your competitors are going to be able to overtake you or whatever it may be. And I look at it as, well, I have a mindset of abundance, first of all, you know, the more right. that someone else can succeed, the more that I can succeed. And it's right. a way to give back and it's a way to connect with folks like yourself and, you know, build relationships with the community of folks who are listening. But the other thing is, I know that a lot of the competitors aren't going to do that boring stuff day in and day out for decades at a time. It's like, yeah. my goodness, you know, you can't replicate just consistency, right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, is that, you know, we all know what uh, Warren Buffett does. You know, you just mentioned it there. There's the formula. But are you willing to apply it yourself? That's mm -hmm. why when I talked about this show, you know, what we do is we identify and apply how the best of the best are raising the bar, personally, mm -hmm. professionally, real estate and beyond, because it's about application. Um, right. So anyway, I just want to make those comments because those things really stuck out to me. And you know what, I need to re-listen to that and really learn about, hey, well, what, what can I do to apply one or two pieces from what Warren Buffett does? Or, right. you know, so many of these guys, it may not be exactly the way. I mean, I don't know about you, but it, I read a book and I'll say, all right, you know, this piece right here works for me. And maybe I'm just going to go ahead and start acting that out. All these other things, you know, you never know if it's going to fit, but uh, that's right. at least how it works for me. Yeah. So, right. Same here. So, Paul, I, I want to know, um, you know, about you, obviously, uh, you know, you've had such a journey, you know, of ups and downs, right? You've, you've, you've made a lot of money, you've lost a lot of money. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing a lot of great information. Now you're sharing great opportunities now. But I want to like, take a step back and say, you know, was there a moment in your life where you said, Hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to live uncommon, I'm going to, you know, do whatever it takes to, to have an uncommon life, uh, and really kind of, you know, pay that price? Or was there a moment? Or was it a process in your life to get to that point? Yeah, I think when I decided I was at Ford Motor Company for about four years and I decided, you know, I'm spending a lot of evening and weekend time daydreaming and researching, starting my own company. I'm just going to do it. And so I think that it was like spring of 1992 that we made that decision. And then when I actually, my wife was seven months pregnant with our first child and I walked away from my nice salary and benefits at Ford to jump in as an entrepreneur. I think that's when I made definitely made that decision and made that break. Are you someone who is looking to seriously elevate your life this year? I mean, now, this year, 2020, because I want to let you know that I am currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. 
And I want to invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I have to tell you, this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are defiantly committed, those who are decisive, those who are coachable, those who are resourceful. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and invest resources into themselves to get to where they want to be, to live life at the highest level, and to elevate to a life without limits, exactly what we talked about on this show. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. So you just, you were able, you actually answered the daydreams because a lot of people will have these daydreams and just brush it off and say, well, I can't have that. Right. You know, let's, yeah. let's be realistic and you know, let's, let's do what it takes and right. maybe pay the price for 30 years in the, in the corporate gig or whatever it may be. Right. 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 That's exactly right. Do you think that you had like a defiant sort of uh, an approach to, to be able to actually kind of take that step or was it just, you know, young and dumb or what would you say? Oh yeah, definitely young and dumb. Yeah. I mean, when I think about the risks I took, even with that first move, it was, so I would never take that risk now knowing what I know about the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but would you be where you are now if you didn't do that? No, that's, a, that's the, that's the funny thing about it. You know, I, I yeah. wouldn't, I mean, I, I, I think I eventually would have left Ford. I really liked Ford. I mean, working there was great. And I, and I enjoy my memories of that, but um, I don't think it was who I was created to be. And I think at some point I would have left to do something maybe a little less risky, if not that. How did you find out who you were created to be? You know, I, I think I'm going to answer that in two uh, segments here. Um, I just looked at my, like, I actually worked for an entrepreneurial company uh, during my, uh, the, the middle summer of my MBA school. And um, so that was really helpful because I got so much more excitement and joy out of working for this entrepreneur with 12 employees than I did in anything else I'd ever done. And so I think that that really helped. Uh, my business partner, who was an entrepreneur, you know, born and raised as an entrepreneur, he really helped because he really encouraged me in that direction. I think if I was talking to other people who really were trying to figure this out now, I'd recommend that they go through a process. Um, and boy, I hope I remember the name of it. The guy's name is Lance Walnow, Dr. Lance, L-A-N-C-E. Uh, Wallnau, W-A-L-L-N-A-U. And I wrote about this in the, uh, and toward the end of my new book on self-storage. And um, if you just Google or put in YouTube Lance Wallnau, you'll come up with this process he has. And I'm having a hard time remembering the name of it. Probably later in the podcast, I'll just remember. But basically, it's this um, time in your life where you realize all my good things I've done, all the things I've succeeded and failed at, where I've had education, where I lack education, what I love, what I hate, all of it comes together and synthesizes at this point in your life. And you realize, oh, I, the, the, it, all the path, this path of breadcrumbs is clearly leading mm -hmm. to this. And typically, not to discourage your audience, but typically that doesn't happen to most people till they're in their 50s or 60s. And they realize, you know, when all this stuff comes together. And um, 
when they do that, they can really make some serious progress and they can possibly get more done in a decade or two, you know, in their fifties or sixties or seventies than they did the rest of the years where a lot of that is that preparation for this, uh, this moment, you know, of transformation. So, um, I, I recommend that wherever you are in the process, you go through Lance Wallnow's little hour long process on YouTube and you try to come up with that on your own. I think, though I have no proof of this, I think what I said earlier, kind of those people like Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, um, you know, uh, uh, Warren Buffett, they actually came across those things and they figured that out in their teens rather than their 50s or 60s. And they had the discipline to stay with it. And I think that's one of the reasons they succeeded so wildly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that sticks out to me in in that entire discussion is really just trust the process, right? Trust what right. you know what's happening to you. It's like what Tony Robbins says. I've said it a million times on the show: is life happens for you and not to you. You know, everything is leading you to a certain result. Um, and the other thing too is that I wanted to ask that question because first you mentioned that in your statement before, but second of all, I think it's so important for people to remember that life is a con- continuous recreation process yeah. you're you're recreating yourself on a daily basis you've always got to be pushing yourself to grow and become that next version of yourself because in my opinion you either grow or you die it's not there's no stagnation and the reason why i ask right. that is because you know if you arrive to a certain you know a certain point in your career your life or whatever you may have a certain purpose and then it evolves it continues to evolve and so um you know i i just wanted to dive into that but uh, it looked like you were doing a little bit of research there. I don't know if you found the name. I clicked on it and I didn't, <laughs> I mean, without being too distracted here, I'm not going to be able to find it. So that's okay. That's all right. We will, we'll put this in the show notes so we can link to it. So we'll, we'll catch up after, after the show and make sure that we include Dr. Lance wall now, uh, right, in great. there. So, so tell me about, um, I wanted to do a little bit of a fast forward now. So you're managing director of Wellings Capital. And you guys are partnering with some of the best of the best operators right. uh, and offering opportunities for folks to invest in commercial real estate. Looks like a lot of self-storage, mm-hmm. uh, similar asset classes, uh, mobile home parks. And previously, you were doing multifamily until you got you felt like it got to a point where it was so overheated that yes. uh, the, the deals were so challenging, which you know a lot of people can definitely resonate with here. Uh, but I'm curious to know, as you've continued to evolve as an investor, as an individual, you know, what's an example of something that you guys have done within your company recently that has allowed you to raise the bar? Obviously, you looked at the marketplace and said, hey, here's where the opportunities are. Let's continue to evolve there. But I'm curious, beyond that, what else have you guys been doing recently to raise the bar? So what we've done, by the way, that was called Convergence. And I did just look it up in the, in the last few pages of my book. It's called The Convergence Principle. So sorry, everybody. Got it. Uh, anyway, so what we've been doing is we feel like at this point in the cycle, Tyler, at least when I'm recording this, it seems that we are near the top of the real estate market. Now, I said that in 2015 and right. 16 and 17, and you get the point. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it really does seem like we're near the top. And, you know, multifamily is at record high levels. Um, Self-storage is at new high levels. Mobile home parks are as well. So it's a really good time 
to be investing with teams of people who really know what they're doing, who have been in the trenches, who have lost or made money during the Great Recession, and they learned lessons during that time. And uh, so we're looking to partner with, you know, groups like this who are making outsized returns in the good times right now, and who have the downside buffered for a day of eventual recession, which is certainly coming. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what we, we have learned that it's worth taking the time on the front end, Tyler, to really, really get to know our operators, to really get to know the people we are going to invest with, that we are going to introduce our investors to. And um, so that's been the big thing this year. Somebody asked me about an hour ago, they said, so I guess your big challenge is raising capital, raising equity for deals. And I said, no, that was a year ago. The big challenge right now is finding the very, very best operators we can on behalf of our investors. Yeah. And I mean, what, what's your vetting process to, to do mm -hmm. that? I mean, is it, you know, one of the big things that I like my big focus in real estate is always relationships, right? Yeah. Who do right. I know that I can know and trust and that I've known and built a trusting right. relationship over for the past, you know, however many years. And the, the goal is to do that for decades and decades. I mean, right. would you say that you're, you're focusing on those type of, you know, you're, you're focusing on finding the, the appropriate relationships or how else are you finding uh, the appropriate operators? Yeah, so we are going, we're spending a lot of time vetting these folks. We have a 25 point or so process, which we're expanding all the time. And, you know, we not only do criminal checks, background checks, we talk to their investors, talk to their employees. We make sometimes planned or sometimes, you know, known, sometimes surprise visits to their facilities, calls. Um, we try to really see who they are, what their ethics and morals are, what they do when they're under pressure to potentially do something wrong. How do they handle that? Um, we want to uh, basically see how they talk about how they talk about and talk to the waiter or the flight attendant or their spouse, mm -hmm. or their employees. Um, we want to, you know, like I said, assure that they've been that they're not a scattered group of friends, but they're actually a cohesive team yep. that has worked together since before the great recession. Uh, we want to see what kind of debt and equity structure they have. We want to see what type of promises they're making or not making to investors, all kinds of things like that go into our process to vetting a new operator. And our default is always to say no. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that is a phenomenal transition and your default is always to say no. And I do want to follow up on another comment that you made there in terms of your operators um, are all, you know, for the most part, it sounds like operators that have been doing this since before the Great Recession, which I think is really interesting. I want to follow up on that later, but since you gave me such a perfect transition into your default is always no, you know, one of the things that we talk about, and you, you even mentioned it so early in our discussion today is that, you know, the best of the best, I mean, the world shakers are those who have focused on one path. You know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, follow one course until successful. That's what focus means. So how do you say no? And what are some other examples of things that you're saying no to, in addition to most operators that knock on your door? Yeah, so we're saying no to almost all multifamily deals right now. We just feel like 
even though I wrote, I wrote a book on multifamily and I still believe everything I said in the book, I just think it is overheated. And um, we're saying no to other asset classes. I mean, we are tentatively looking at others like senior living, but we're resisting the temptation to jump in too quickly. I mean, it's gonna be there in a couple of years, a couple of decades, hopefully still. Uh, we're saying no to other asset classes like retail, industrial, um, all types of other things. Um, the way you said, how do you do that? How do you maintain your discipline to say no? One of the things I did was sort of a, um, it, I, it, it's probably not what you're gonna expect to hear, but I actually hired somebody um, to who I've now after four and a half years has brought have brought on as a junior partner and he is actually the extreme opposite of me I'm very relational I'm like you know I just sat down and had lunch with a real estate investor today and you know if he asked me to invest with him I would want to find a way to do that well the partner I brought on uh, is actually very opposite he is the kind of guy who would just, he would be no, 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 right up to the last minute. And I have decided, I guess this is from the gray hair. I guess this is through some wisdom over decades of making mistakes. I've decided to submit myself to him in this arena in particular. And I'll say, look, if you don't 100% agree with bringing this operator on, we have to both fully agree or we won't do it. Mm -hmm. And it's helped me avoid a lot of mistakes in the last couple of years. Talk to me about, um, you know, the, the, the piece of, you know, it sounds like one of your 25 points, you know, in terms of vetting an operator is those who have been in operation since before the Great Recession. Um, do you have, do you ever go outside of that balance? Do you ever go with a group who's like, all right, you know, they've been around since 2011, they've had a great run, but, you know, anybody could succeed in that type of environment or uh, is that pretty much like you got to pass this litmus test and that's it? Or I'm just curious. Yeah. So in our main fund, the Wellings Income Fund, um, that is an absolute non-negotiable that we have never broken from at least since. And we, I mean, you know, at least up to now, I should say. However, in the growth fund, we're doing, you know, we're investing in some ground up development deals. And so, you know, there are certain situations where there is a, 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 let's say a confederation of an investor group or two and a, an operator, a property manager and a developer who they've all been doing what they do really, really well for decades, but they had not worked together since before the Great Recession. And so because of that, we did invest in one. Mm -hmm. It's a ground up development that has pretty much the description of parties I just told you and it's going great so I guess now the next question that everybody's thinking is all right when we hit this next recession now will they these operators have the opportunity of partnering with Wellings Capital now that they make it successfully <laughs> through the next recession uh, I don't know um, <laughs> we'll have to see uh, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I guess if you ask me 10 years from now and the recession hits in 2020 I'm just saying for example of course yeah. I'm not predicting um, that would be a consideration. I would sure. Think. Yeah. And I mean, what I'm just trying to highlight is I get it. I mean, you're, you're looking for folks who are truly experienced, who have seen the ups and the downs, they've weathered the storms, they've, you know, succeeded in good times and bad. And you know, that you've got to be able to 
develop that kind of strategy in all types right. of environments. So I can certainly appreciate that. So I want to transition back to you, Paul. Uh, I'd love to know, uh, you know, tell me about some habits that are super important for you. I mean, being that guy who kind of defaulted at the shiny object syndrome and you're, you're ready to do everything, you've done great things, you've also kind of fallen flat on your face, you know, all in all, you know, your trajectory has been up. So I'd be curious to know, you know, what does your daily like your life look like? I mean, what, you know, what's your kind of Warren Buffett story? Are you reading the yeah. paper front to back? I mean, how does that look for you? Yeah, no. So for me, um, because I'm pretty driven, fast paced, like to jump, you know, rush into things, um, you know, on a day to day basis, as well as on project level, um, I have developed a discipline. Now, I've actually had it for a very long time of spending some very quiet, focused, deliberate, like meditative time every morning. And so I rarely miss that. And um, so I've been doing that for decades, actually. And I've rarely missed, I do miss that, you know, and but when I miss it two or even three days in a row, I really feel it. I see myself getting more impulsive, grouchy, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Uh, another is just what I said earlier, and that is the discipline of having people around me who generally disagree with me. I just finished Sam Zell's biography. Sam Zell, you know, is the basically the Warren Buffett of real estate investing for the few people who wouldn't know his name. He's the largest mobile home park owner, the largest multifamily owner, and the largest um, office uh, space owner. At least he was till he sold his office portfolio in, uh, you know, about 10 years ago. And uh, Sam Zell, he's really big on that, getting people around him who disagree and who they, you know, they will um, argue uh, over things quite often. And he says that comes up with a better conclusion. And I think that's the other thing that I really try to do as well. That's a tough one, you know, surrounding yourself with people who disagree with you, because that's not a natural thing, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I know that if you're ever, if you're ever approached by someone who wants to partner with you on a deal, it's like, most likely you're going to say, well, you know, am I like them? You know, because that's right. when you're growing up on the playground, those are the friends you're going to make, the folks that you're kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, so yeah. it's going against that grain against, you know, something that's natural. Um, I mean, is that is there a theme there? I mean, are you doing other things that you would say feel unnatural until they become habitual? Or what would you say? One thing I'm about to do <laughs> is I'm about to start a new email routine. Email has been my Achilles heel since it got popular in the late 90s. I mean, I remember sitting, explaining to a friend of mine how it was messing up my whole life. And that was like 2002. And so, you know, it's still uh, been the perpetual problem for me now. And so, um, I'm going to try an experiment soon that seems really unnatural to me. Uh, one thing I do is I answer every email. Um, I don't, you know, I, I mean, unless it went to my spam filter, I don't miss any. I, I, I'm really, you know, I just think it's the right way to live, the right thing to do. I'm going to try to batch them over maybe three days a week. So instead of answering emails six or six and a half days a week, I'm going to try to, um, this, this, um, uh, discipline of trying to answer emails maybe three times a day on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then 
absolutely not open my email at all. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So Good we'll see you. if I can pull that off. We, I might don't have, know I can. we might have to have a part two of this conversation to see how that's working out. Cause that's a challenge for most of us here. I mean, I, it's so challenging. You, you just have your email open and it's like, you can't get anything done if you're just fielding answers, you know, questions. I'm telling you. It's unbelievable. Uh, so I love that. Yeah, you know what surprised me, Tyler? Um, two summers in a row, and I've done this many times before, but the last two summers in a row, this was all highlighted to me. I went on a fishing trip to Canada uh, way up in the wilds. And no email, no cell phone, no anything, right? No text. And of course, when you leave for something like that and you're an entrepreneur, you're wondering what is going to fall apart while you're right. gone. <laughs> right. And, you know, I came back both times after a week away and my inbox had 400 to 500 unread emails in them both times, which is, mm -hmm. you know, that, that was what I expected. Mm -hmm. Here's what shocked me, though. There were no emergencies. Nothing went really wrong. And here's what really surprised me the most. My son would take over the driving from pretty much International Falls, Minnesota, down to Minneapolis. And in that three and a half hours, on an iPhone, more, you know, more, moreover, not on a, on a laptop, I was actually able to respond to or deal with 95 or more percent of those 400 and some emails that yeah. quick. And so, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, it took me just three hours to answer all those on an iPhone. If I would have been sitting in front of the computer for that nine days, how many hours would I have spent and how many hours would be interrupted or upended by those emails? It would have been 10, yeah. 10 what, 10 hours, maybe 30 hours, maybe, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, this is like a big Tim Ferriss type of conversation. I mean, this is a four yeah. hour work week. I mean, you don't have right. to really answer every single thing. I mean, you can actually, like you said, batch. I mean, there's so many different little tasks that we do on a consistent basis that are really, you interrupt your time and it takes you, you know, it takes your brain 10 to 15 mm -hmm. minutes to get back on something else. I know. When you really want to, you know, have great output, you've got to have, you know, strong brain power. And when you're answering right. an email and you're going over here, you're looking at a deal, it's going to be tough to, uh, to do that. So I think there's a lot of value here. Yeah. Uh, great reminder. Actually a great reminder for me. It's like, we got to, let's take a step back here from the email yeah. a little bit. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that. I want to talk about failures. Uh, Cause you talk about how to lose money, right? So I think you, you may know a thing or two about failures, right? You got to fail your way to success. So I'd, I'd be curious to know, has there been a failure that really sticks out uh, among the rest that's really been impactful for you? Oh man, there's been so many. Um, one was we were in North Dakota. We have a successful multifamily project and um, <clears throat> we knew because we were on the ground in North Dakota, we knew that uh, there was a huge need for wireless internet among all these um, newly established RV parks man camps, apartments, hotels, they couldn't keep up with the internet, high speed internet in particular. <coughs> so we thought it would be a great idea to start a wireless internet company there in North Dakota. Now I knew nothing about wireless internet. And um, I was like, you know, I was telling my wife, we'd be making $10,000 a month within a few months. And then it would go to, you know, millions eventually, you know, and, uh, 
my wife was super against this. She was just like, everything seems wrong about this. And I, and I discounted her because she didn't take the time to learn anything about it. She just knew it was wrong. And that was one of the biggest failures ever because it taught me so many things in addition to the shiny object nature of it. Um, it also reminded me, you know, one of the things we've learned on the How to Lose Money show is never give up, keep plowing ahead, keep digging. You know, the gold vein of gold is only a foot away. And if you give up now, you know, and then the, another lesson we learned on it, quite oddly, is know when to cut your losses, quit early. Don't keep digging when you're, you know, you're digging in the wrong place. And so we've had to figure out, huh, we've got these people who said never quit. And that's how they succeeded. Other people who said that their success came because they quit early. You know, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them and all that stuff. And so this was one of those times when we should have quit early. We had $390,000 of our money tied up into it, me and some friends. And if we would have just pulled the plug on this after maybe six months when everything seemed to be going wrong, we could have returned maybe 250000 of that 390000 to investors, including myself as the largest investor. And we would have been way better off and way happier if we had. But we kept persisting for six years, always thinking we would turn the corner and never did. So you didn't listen to the woman's intuition, which yep. sounds like another one of your failures. I'm sure you heard about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. but it is, it is interesting because there's, there's something there. I think intuition is really important and listening to people who you know, maybe not be in the weeds of it, but they have a different perspective is also pretty interesting. Um, but knowing when to quit is a, is a great takeaway. Um, we're not going to succeed in everything we do. In fact, failure is inevitable, but you know, sometimes it's what you need. Um, you can certainly continue to plow through, or you can say, Hey, look, let's just go ahead and pivot now. And you know, we expected to lose at some point, so let's keep going. So I appreciate you sharing that. Beyond that, when I, when I think about, oh, you're going to say something, Paul? I just think the difference, you know, I don't want to leave people hanging on this. Mm -hmm. I think the difference is having the wisdom, experience, and good counsel to know when you're on the wrong path. I mean, if you keep persisting to the end on the wrong path, you're still going to end up empty, which is yep. what we did. And the other time, the time to know when to not give up or the time, even when you get smacked down to go back to the drawing board and stay on that path is when you have the wisdom, counsel, or experience to know you are on the right path. And so with commercial real estate, even though we've had a few huge setbacks, um, I've, I've known that this is the right path. And I know that we are. So therefore, you know, we're persisting. Is that just based on your own personal experience? Or is that based on your study and the council and your team that you've built, yeah. or what would you say? Based on the conversions principle, which, you know, again, the land, the wall now principle of, you know, knowing that this is a fit for me, mm -hmm. but it's also just with the knowledge of, you know, knowing that something like 90% of the Forbes 400 wealthiest, most successful people in the world have made their money or at least sustained it uh, through commercial real estate. I mean, now that I understand the value formula in commercial real estate, I can't imagine for me at least wanting to do anything else. Mm -hmm. 100%. So we talked about failures and, you know, obviously in my opinion, failure leads to success, right? 
but success also leads clues in my opinion as well and I think you would probably agree with me on that we've talked about you know a lot of super successful people you know in the show so far but I'd be curious to know I mean beyond some of the folks that we've already talked about are there others who you would consider or have considered role models in your life as you've uh, continued along your journey yeah, well, Gary Keller, the most successful real estate broker of all time. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Warren Buffett. I'm actually writing a book with a couple friends uh, tentatively called Warren Buffett's Rules for Real Estate Investors. Hmm. And it's basically taking his stock and other principles and life principles and applying them to real estate investing. So that's um, another, uh, th- another one that we've talked about. We talked about Sam Zell a little bit as well. Um, but, um, you know, overall I, I really, and, and, you know, though I don't know as much about David Green and the Green family, um, my wife's shopping at Hobby Lobby as we speak. And so it reminds me that I have incredible admiration for David and the Green family. I mean, just reading his story about his fight against, you know, um, with the Supreme court and everything, uh, a couple of years ago and all yeah. that they went through as a family and what that they've done with their business, how they give 50% of profits and always will to meaningful charities. I mean, uh, how could you admire anybody more than them? I love it. Well, just going back to what you said earlier about how commercial real estate, you know, has led to 90% of the, you know, the world's you know, most wealthy people, uh, I wanted to highlight the fact that, you know, the point of Elevate is that you can create great financial abundance through real estate as a vehicle. Um, But also, you know, to be able to create yourself and recreate yourself and develop your own talents, your own skills, your abilities, your psychology, you know, your understanding, your network. Um, You know, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want to know about an investment that you've made in yourself while you're you're doing so many great things with, you know, different operators and different properties, you know, all around the country. I'd be curious to know what is Paul Moore doing to invest in himself, you know, maybe over the past year or so, what's been something that's been really important for you? Yeah. So people are surprised by this, but I've actually spent, um, I mean, just starting the third one, but I've actually spent uh, at least $25,000 on coaching. This is now the third time I've done that. So in 2008, with the real estate slowdown and everything, I actually took a couple years off. I stayed in real estate, mostly passively, but I actually invested 20, actually about $30,000 in coaching and mentoring in the realm of marketing copywriting. And I learned all I could about copywriting. And then uh, in 2014, I made a $25,000 investment to uh, study under a multifamily syndication coach and that's been incredible, incredibly beneficial. And just a few days ago, I pulled the trigger on what will be a $30,000 investment over three years in a coaching program that a lot of people have heard of. Uh, it's called Strategic Coach, mm-hmm. and it's with a guy named Dan Sullivan, who's uh, actually trained, uh, I believe their program at least, has trained something like 20,000 entrepreneurs and I keep running into people who have been successful that went through strategic coach. So I thought I'd give it a try. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'd be curious as to what outcome are you seeking with this type of investment? Cause I think a lot of people definitely um, agree that coaching is something that, you know, can really kind of allow you to quantum leap, right? It can 
you know, turn decades into days and really kind of expand your results and your outcome and, and have the clear direction that you're, that you're wanting to, you know, accomplish in your life. So I'd be curious to know what's one thing that you believe is an outcome that you're really investing in through that type of program. Um, you know, I really do believe that they, from what I've taught, heard and talked to several entrepreneurs, they have some of the more creative mindsets that people have gone through strategic coach, I should say. They've got tremendously creative mindsets, but they also seem to be working a lot less hours. Mm-hmm. They're streamlining their businesses. People who said, you know, they were 60 when they joined the program, they plan to retire at 63 or six or whatever. They said, well, why would I ever retire now? I'm able to streamline to the point where I can stay involved, but not be a slave to my business anymore. I used to yeah. joke around and actually believed, you know, the old funny saying, you know, entrepreneurs have a lot of freedom. We can choose any 80 hours a week we want. Right. To do it. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's not really that funny when you're getting up, you know, into my mid fifties no, now and, and still working, you know, ridiculous hours. And, you know, somebody asked me, what would it take to double your business? And I was kind of like thinking, I can't double my hours, but it seems like I'd have to. And then they said, well, what would it take to 10 X your business? Well, think about it. You know, Tyler, you can't think about 10Xing your hours. You might be able to double your hours for a while. It'd be really hard. But 10X, you have to think completely differently. And that's what this program teaches people to do. Yeah, you've got to ask yourself much more profound questions and you've got to be able to use different levers. That's why we love real estate, right? Because it's a lever. It's leverage. So there's different levers that you can apply to your business. Uh, and just your own output. So yeah, that, that's, that's really good. Um, right. So you're, you're, you're moving fast, you know, obviously you're doing big things. What's a big goal that you're working towards right now? You know, a big goal is what I already mentioned, and that is to not be a slave to email anymore. Yeah, I think if I could somehow break free of that, and I'm, you know, I'm working on it, Uh, that would be one huge lever I could pull to allow me to focus on what I'm uniquely gifted and talented to do. I do think it's so interesting, you know, people, you were talking earlier about, well, you know, entrepreneurs, they can make their own schedule and these, this, that, and the other. And it's like, yeah. And then your schedule becomes completely taken over if you're not careful. So uh, batching everything that you can do is so important, uh, especially email, which is pervasive and technology in general. I mean, we can be reached. I don't know about you, but, you know, email has become text to a certain point and, you know, whatever it may be. So there's so many different ways. Uh, but that's, that's really good. Just getting out of being a slave to these different right. systems that are great things right. that can also be a challenge. Uh, right. So Paul, tell me what's the driving force behind what you do? You know, um, I won't say this is the only one, but one I like to talk about and I've dedicated myself to is this. I want the world to know uh, about the evils of human trafficking. I don't know how much you've heard about this, Tyler. I just saw the Harriet Tubman a biography movie. It's called Harriet. And I highly, highly recommend this movie. Um, and uh, of course, it's about the slave trade of the early to mid 1800s. But um, did you know we have a modern day slave trade that I wasn't aware until about three years ago how serious this was. But Tyler, if you took the record profits, not the average, but the record profits of General Motors, Nike, 
Starbucks, and Apple. You added those record profits together, double that number. That's the estimated approximate annual revenues generated by human trafficking. Jeez. It's a scourge. And it's, um, it's you know, this, this scourge is, 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 it's affecting people all over the world in every country. Tens of millions of people are directly victims of this crime. And, you know, who knows how many hundreds of millions of people indirectly are victims. Um, I like to believe if I was alive in the 1800s, I'd be an abolitionist fighting for the freedom of slaves. And if I was an adult in the 1950s or 60s, I'd like to believe that I would be fighting for civil rights. Well, this is a civil right. It is slavery. And um, so I, my goal is to raise awareness and raise a billion dollars to fight this in my lifetime. Wow. Well, I appreciate you, um, you know, making us more aware of that. I mean, I can't even imagine how astounding that is with those type of figures that you just mentioned. And it's like almost you, most people, we're all in our own worlds, we're all in our own bubbles and we're building real estate portfolios. And, you know, what a great way for you to be able to give back and to be able to stop such an atrocity um, or at least kind of, you know, turn the tides in a different direction. So mm-hmm. whatever we can do to support you in that, please let us know. And um, you're, you're raising a bit, you want to raise a billion dollars uh, to raise awareness for this cause. Is that correct? Yeah, we want to raise a billion dollars to fight human trafficking and rescue its victims. One way we're doing it, and we're not taking any donations for this, was uh, we're, we're a friend of mine named Ben Briggs is a real estate guy out of um, Dallas, and he is uh, planning a billion-dollar office tower right now called Freedom Place Project. And this Freedom Place Project uh, I think it's .com, freedomplaceproject.com. Um, we're planning to build this building and donate after, of course, we'll pay all our hard costs, which are, you know, for the land, the building, the construction, the architects, and a million other things. But after that, the profits to the developer, uh, 100% will be donated to fight human trafficking and rescue its victims. And the goal would be that this would be a prototype for office towers in many other cities afterwards. That's awesome. Well, it's a, it's just a great reminder for all of us that as we continue to elevate, as we continue to raise our own bars, that we have a duty to give back to others. I mean, there's, there's, this is an absolute atrocity and there's so many other things that we can also give back and create awareness and, you know, actually make a huge difference financially or whatever it may be. So I really right. want to honor you for that. Yeah, you bet. And so if, if anybody, thank you. If anybody wants to give to this or learn more, you can go to the website exoduscry.com. That's E-X-O-D-U-S-C-R-Y, exoduscry.com. And you can watch a 90-minute film called Nefarious. And um, I don't know the website on that, but you can find it free uh, in certain places or rent the movie Nefarious to learn Uh, a lot about this horrible, horrible atrocity that's happening. Well, we will share links to everything here in the show notes, freedomplaceproject.com as well as exoduscry.com. So thank you for letting us know about that. And I want to go ahead and transition into our rapid fire section here. Uh, We call it the rare air questionnaire. And the reason why we call it that is, you know, we're climbing Mount Everest. We're, We're making a huge difference for, you know, millions of people around the world. Um, you know, but most people gave up. Most people didn't give, get to a point where they can raise a billion dollars. 
to, you know, fight human trafficking all across the world. Most mm -hmm. people didn't do what it took to get there, but we did and we continue to do so. So I've got a few questions for you here. And, you know, one of which is, what is the most impactful book that you've ever read and why? I uh, would say that the book called The One Thing would be one of the most. And that's, of course, by Gary Keller and Jay Papazon. And um, I um, very, very um, excited about that uh, book. And I really want people to know, you know, that that book has been, uh, a, it's helped me with the email issue. Yep. It's helped me with a distraction issue. Uh, that has been the book that I would recommend. I really, you mentioned Tim Ferriss earlier, the four hour work week was a big one for me as well. And yep. um, I, I really think that those both would be great books to recommend. They both have a very similar theme and that is focus and stay away from distractions. Yes. And the one thing, I mean, the, the one thing book for me was so big as well, because I always remember, I don't know about you, but many real estate entrepreneurs probably feel the same way is that there's always 50,000 things we could be doing, right? There's right. everything has priority, but just focus in one lane. And when you're doing one thing, our brains can't multitask either. You've got right. to focus on one thing. The only way to do something effectively is to do that. But I, I would highly recommend both of those books as well. So I appreciate you highlighting those. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love to know what's the biggest way outside of what we've talked about. I mean, we've talked about so many different things, but what's the biggest way that you would say that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Yeah, I would say it's that morning time of meditation and also, you know, basically taking, having a cutoff time where I, um, you know, where I am uh, determined to uh, walk away from work and really focus on my family. Hmm. That's a good one. I need to uh, definitely implement that myself. And I know many others uh, would say the same, having that cutoff time. So you, you stick to a specific time every single day where it's like, Hey, we're done. And I'm not going to be answering emails, you know, after dinner or whatever it may be. Well, that's a little problem. Uh, it's a good theory. I mean, the meditation yeah. thing, uh, that's one of the powers of the early morning hours, you know, yep. on the meditation thing, it's a lot easier when you're first up, you got coffee. It's a lot easier to leave your email turned off and jump into that time of meditation yes. and, uh, you know, journaling, prayer, et cetera, that I do early in the morning. But I'm telling you, it's a lot harder to turn it off at five or six o'clock. And so I'm, it's something I'm working on. No, it's huge. And one thing that I've been studying recently is brain waves. And it may sound crazy. It may sound ridiculous to be even talking about that right now. But one thing I learned is that, you know, when you're sleeping, you're in you're the deep, deep, you know, slow brainwave states mm -hmm. of delta, right? Or theta. And when you wake up, you're in the theta brainwave state. And when you're operating throughout your day, you're in a beta, you know, high high functioning brainwave state because that's your executive functioning. But when you wake up in the morning in that theta brainwave state, you're the most suggestible, right? So mm -hmm. if you're meditating or if the first thing you do is you look at your phone and you check your text and your emails, you're more suggestible to say, Hey, I'm on defense all day. And now all day. You say I'm more suggestible. Can you explain that? I'm interested. So I've learned a lot about this. I definitely wouldn't consider myself an expert, but when I say more suggestible, what I mean is that you can actually communicate to your subconscious more deeply than you could otherwise, because there's less of a barrier there to get through. Because when you're in a high beta brainwave state, 
you know, you're very conscious. Your thoughts are very conscious. This is your executive function. You know, this is you, who you present yourself to be, but your subconscious is 95% of your mind. And so you always kind of default to, you know, what are your habits? What are you, what's your identity telling you that you, that you are? And mm -hmm. so to me, you know, this is something that's really important to me because I've learned that as we sleep and when we wake up, we're in this very suggestible state. So what can I do to, to plant the most important, you know, thing? Like for me, when I wake up, I read, you know, we, I, the reason why I talk about books is selfishly because I want to know what's, what's the greatest books in the world that I need to be reading. And I want to read, I want to meditate, and I don't want to be on defense in the morning. So, um, you know, those are some things that I've been able to tap into myself, but hopefully that's something that, uh, that you and others can find useful as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I did not know that. I'm going to take a few notes on that. So, yeah, uh, there's a book someone suggested to me last night, and I, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to suggest a book you heard of a few hours ago. Right. <laughs> I think it's on the same uh, actual topic. Let me see if I can find it really quick. That's fine. While you're looking that up, I'll tell you that I learned about this from a few different sources, but one of which actually is a man named Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he's written many books, but he's, you know, he's a neurologist. He's a genius when it comes to what we're talking about here. Uh, but I read a book called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And I would highly recommend that book um, just in terms of what we're talking about here. But there's many others. And it's fascinating. Okay. Great. Well, this one's called The Power of Full Engagement okay. by Tony Schwartz. And in, in this book, he argues in favor of energy management rather than time management. Yes. Yes. So, well, anyway. we want to, what we're talking about is tapping into, you know, a resource that can allow you to really <laughs> leap forward rather than just claw and scratch you know you talk about like the newtonian physics and i'm i'm totally breaking away from our rare air questionnaire rapid fire section here but you know you think about the newtonian physics where it's like you know any object you know that pushes another object goes into motion and it's like one step you know black and white you know you can really quantum leap if you can tap into your subconscious so to me yeah. i think that's so much more interesting i want to do big things i don't want to just do things that you know each and every person can do with just, you know, standard inertia, you know? Right. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, so what's the biggest way? Obviously, you're doing great things. Uh, you're doing amazing things. I'm super inspired by your cause there and the driving force behind what you do. But I'd love to know beyond what you're doing for human trafficking and for your investors and just being yourself. I mean, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? That's a great question. You know, I really, my goal is to try to draw people out. I like to ask, you know, questions, hopefully that help them really tap in and figure out what, where they're going in life. Um, I've actually had two meetings today. One was a lunch meeting and then another, I think actually two investor calls earlier today where it turned into more of a, Hey, how can I help you figure out where to go in life? Um, yeah. So some people in my sphere actually say, you got to stop that. That's wasting your time. It's eating into your life. It's killing you. But I think that's one way at my age, you know, where I can actually help people and I want to. Yeah. And you're fulfilled by it. I can tell just by the tone of your voice and just how you say that, um, which is awesome. And I'd love to know, you know, any parting words of wisdom or thoughts for Elevate Nation that you haven't talked about yet today? 
Yeah, I would really recommend that people, and I talk about this quite often, I actually wrote a Fox Business article on Black Friday about this topic, and that is, please try to understand and discern the difference between investing versus speculating. Mm. You know, investing is when your principal is generally safe and you've got a chance to make a return, and speculating is when your principal is not at all safe and you've got a chance to make a return. And um, I, it's okay to speculate, but please know that you're taking a big risk and that you could lose your money. So um, uh, my goal is to explain to the world, tell the world why it's better to invest in general than to speculate. This has been one of Warren Buffett's life messages as well. I love it. We're talking, uh, we're talking about some very important stuff there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so I appreciate that. We will put a link to the show note in the show notes to your article as well. So looking forward to to reading that, Paul. And I just want to thank you so much for being a part of the show. Um, how can Elevate Nation stay in contact with you and, and follow along with everything that you're doing? Yeah, like you said before, I'm you know I've been on bigger pockets quite often, and I have my own podcast. But the best way to reach out to me would be just to meet me. Uh, come to my website, wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-C-A-P-I-T-A-L, wellingscapital.com. Outstanding. And I know that you've got a free resource uh, for a special report on mobile home park investing and also a special report on self-storage investing there as yeah. well. So they can go to your website and access those resources? Yeah, they can. The best way to get those would be to go to wellingscapital.com forward slash resources. And they can put in their first name and their email address. And we will email them those special reports, which are actually quite lengthy. I love it. Well, Paul, this has been an absolute blast. And I really appreciate you being on the show. And also, I really appreciate our listeners, Elevate Nation, as well as new listeners. Thank you so much for being here. You know, what I would say now is, you know, share this with a friend. We're not charging for what we're doing here. You know, it doesn't cost you a dime. Pay the fee by telling someone else about the show and allow someone else to have the opportunity of being inspired by giving a billion dollars towards fighting atrocities in the world and doing everything you can to create, you know, abundance within your own life so you can help somebody else do the same. And what I would say also for those who listen to every single show, thank you so much for doing that. I would always remind you, repetition is the key to listen to this show again. I'm about to reread a book that I've read the past three or four years because every single time I do it, I learn something new and I guarantee you're going to learn something new. If you listen to this show again, take notes uh, and put it into action. Like I said, apply immediately. And so uh, thanks again. And Paul, really appreciate you being on the show today. All right. Thanks, Tyler. It's great to be here. It was a real honor. Absolutely. Until next time, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.